The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord and Redeemer. Amen. The Old Testament and gospel stories that we heard here this morning are familiar to most of us. And they stretch our imagination and our faith. They bring to mind the story of a brand new seminary graduate, just returned from his studies, and invited to lead an adult education forum in his home parish, still riding high on his wave of celebration and very much aware of himself as a master of divinity, he began to hold forth in a session on the story of Jonah. In my exegesis of this pericope, I found no empirical justification whatever for a substantive faith in the notion that a human being could be ingested by a whale and survive. However, our efforts to spiritualize this foundational myth yield great promise for deeper theological and hermeneutical exegesis. <laughs> Whereupon the recent graduate's grandmother, who was sitting in the back row, sucked her teeth and hissed under her breath, Lord, you sent the boy to school and he comes back here a fool. Anybody knows that it doesn't matter whether Jonah got swallowed by a whale, a goldfish, or a guppy. The story is still true. The story is still true. We are so accustomed to thinking in terms of concrete reality that we fail to perceive the divine reality that exists right alongside of it, hidden, as it were, in plain sight. We are challenged this morning to look beyond the limits of what we think we know with eyes of faith, to find the truths in the biblical stories of our faith. 
Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest and author, in his book, Hidden Things, Scripture as Spirituality, states, The Bible presents us stories, little theater, to prepare us for the big theater. Teaching us, in effect, it's not just here, it's everywhere. It's not just this man or this woman, it's every man and every woman. For too long, it has been common for Christians to read the Bible complacently, often observing that was the problem with the Jewish religion back then. Thus, they cleverly avoid acknowledging that the exact same problem applies today and in their own denomination. If the text is truly inspired, it will always be revealing the patterns that are always true even and most especially here and now, for you and for me, and not just back there in them. The story of Jacob wrestling with God in the night is one of many examples of this. Jacob was filled with fear that he would have a confrontation with his twin brother, Esau, from whom he stole his birthright. And he didn't know exactly what the outcome would be. So he sent his family off to safety and struggled unknowingly all night with this mysterious being, alternately identified as a man, a demon, and finally God. God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which became a metaphor for the people of Israel as they struggled and they wrestled with God. So what rings true for us here today? We can certainly identify with Jacob's struggle. It is a reminder of the cost of wrestling with God in our ordinary, everyday lives. God is the beloved one who blesses us and wrestles with us at the same time. A perfect example of this struggle within us is the wrestling of our church at the Lambeth Conference. Alex Beam's article in the Globe last Saturday, notwithstanding, which Nick mentioned, in which he cuttingly stated Lambeth is an embarrassing festival of nothingness. On the contrary, what we are seeing at Lambeth is the attending bishops trying to remain faithful in prayer and open to the Spirit as they struggle to discern God's truth through the eyes of faith in dealing with the controversy and the hurt surrounding those excluded from full inclusion in the Anglican Church. The truth revealed in this ancient story of Jacob is to hang in there. Do not let go. Even though we wrestle and may bear the marks of our struggles and we become wounded healers, we are blessed. God is with us. Like Jacob, we will prevail. And now all four Gospels record the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 because it was too important a story to leave out. Too important in the ministry of Jesus and too important in the life of the church. It is a story, first of all, about Jesus' compassion and his ability to provide for the spiritual and physical needs of the crowds who were tired, sick, and hungry. Hungry. It is a story about discipleship. 
Jesus needed the disciples to cooperate with him, to distribute the food. But they were so focused on the reality of the smallness of what they had, five loaves and two fish, that they failed to see or believe that Jesus could make it grow. Isn't that true of all of us? We often focus on the smallness of what we have and not on the greatness of the God who claims us. At the outset, they were looking to themselves, to their own resources, to their means and their abilities, to their capacities and their wherewithal. I think we might call that control and couldn't see beyond that to Jesus. Where the power of God becomes effective, when the crowds get fed and the amazement takes place, is the point in which the disciples step out in faith. Only when they take the loaves and the fish to the people do they begin to take in what is going on. The impossible happens through the possible. The spiritual happens through the material, and the eyes of faith are opened. Jesus needed the disciples to feed the 5,000. Then, just as he needs us today to provide for the spiritual, physical, material, and emotional hungers of this world we live in. Discipleship is not merely a matter of managing limited resources. It is a matter of giving what we have in faith, in hope, and in love. Jesus is counting on us as his disciples to feed those individuals who are in our lives and who come into our lives who are needy. Not believing in our own resources, but in the inexhaustible power of God's love for all of humanity. It echoes the Old Testament story of God's provision of manna for God's people when they were wandering in the wilderness. And in time, it became a story that early Christians told when they gathered for worship, giving meaning to the Eucharist. As they blessed, broke, and shared the bread of the Lord's Supper, which we will share again this morning in the Eucharist, they remembered that other time when bread was blessed, broken, and shared. It was as if Jesus stood among them again, laying hands on a little, and it became enough for all. The hidden truth of the feeding story is that Jesus meets our needs and looks with compassion on each one of us. When we are suffering or feeling powerless and trying as hard as possible to hang on, Jesus reaches out to us in many different ways. Miracles, small and large, happen all around us if we look with the eyes of faith. Through family, friends, acquaintances, church, communities, and sometimes complete strangers. It takes just a smile, a touch. Recently, my closest friend died in New York. And we went to New York to be near her and her family and stayed with our son and daughter-in-law and our three little grandsons who lived nearby. The day Gail died, I returned home to our son's home and was sitting alone on the front stoop of their home when I felt a small hand patting my shoulder. Bobby, our seven-year-old grandson, 
sat down beside me and he said, Grandma, I'm so sorry your friend died. An extraordinary blessing for me. A loving pat on the shoulder. God comforted me through a seven-year-old child. The truth of the miracle of the feeding is a reminder of what Jesus can and will do if we surrender our wills and offer back to God whatever we have received, no matter how small or worthless it may seem to be. We will be sustained, upheld, and transformed. Jesus will take our offering and bless it, and in blessing it, God's power will be released. Jacob wrestled with God, prevailed, and wouldn't let go until he was blessed, and God's power was released. If we seek the truth with the eyes of faith, like the seminary student's grandmother said, the story is still true, and we discover for ourselves God's power is released. Perhaps we need to stop waiting for a miracle and participate in one instead. Amen.